like big butts and I cannot lie. That was one of the biggest songs in the world the year I started my bachelor's degree, 1992. I'm going to take your grandpa style. I'm going to take your grandpa style. No, for real. Ask your grandpa. Can I have his hand me down? And that song was the biggest song in the world when I finished my bachelor's degree in 2013. During those 21 years, I had a career, I started a family, and kept trying to find the time to finish my bachelor's degree. In fact, I started and stopped so many times, I kind of lost track. See, I was what they call a first-generation college student. Now, there's all sorts of ways to define what that means, but most would agree that it means that I was the very first person in my family to attend college. That meant I had no roadmap. Growing up, there was absolutely zero expectation for me to go to college, let alone get a bachelor's degree, then a master's degree, and eventually enter a doctoral program and work in higher education. Also, during those 21 years when I was studying, I also became a parent to two amazing kids. Trying to be a parenting student just made things even more challenging. But along the way, I was really lucky to have people who understood what I was going through and who encouraged me along the way. These professors and mentors, they helped me see something in myself that I couldn't always see. And sometimes when I lost faith in my abilities, they encouraged me to borrow the faith they had in me so I could keep going. My name is Randy Scott. I'm a licensed mental health counselor at the UW Bothell Counseling Center. I'm also a proud first-generation college student and parenting student. This week on The Crow's Nest, we're gonna dig a little deeper into both of these identities, the challenges and strengths that come with being first gen or a parent while you're going to school. And we're going to learn about some of the unique supports that are offered right here at UW for students who are first gen or parents. First up, we're joined by Christina Hughes, the Parenting Student Resource Manager here at UW Bothell. Christina, this role is a little new to the UW campus. So how did you get started here? Uh, yeah, so I have been in higher education for the last 10 years, 10, 15 years. And I started doing work with um, admissions and uh, then into kind of academic advising, uh, professional advising for some master's level programs. And with that territory, I always encountered um, parenting students within my programs, especially working with graduate students, um, as they tend to be a little bit, um, you know, older uh, age-wise. They usually have, um, usually see an increase in the number of children or the ages of their children. Um, and my last role at, at uh, UW Seattle, I worked with graduate students in an online MPH, an online public health program. And during the pandemic, you know, everything that came to light, um, it became apparent how very, um, very little our parents were supported um, and how much they had on their plate. In addition to their own studies, they were managing their children's classes, oftentimes taking off work to make sure their students were set up in Zoom class, um, missing nighttime meetings because they had to be home for dinner time or bedtime. Um, and it just became apparent to me how, how, um, how little time they had to dedicate to the things that our other students kind of saw as just given. Um, and I got really interested in that population. I got really interested in providing programming 
and support for them within the program that I represented previously. Um, and then this lovely job became available at Bothell to support um, students who are parents full time. And so I, I uh, hopped on over here from, from Seattle campus and, and now I support students um, in this capacity. Well, what a beautiful service to provide to the UW Bothell, because as you know, I mean, very diverse campus. Mm -hmm. It's a commuter campus. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of transfer students as well. I'm going to guess, I don't know if you actually have the numbers, but I'm guessing we have a lot of students who are also parents who go to school here. Yeah, we have about, I think the last survey that I did with our with our students was about 25% of our, of our population are parents or wow. caregivers in some capacity. Uh, that's a great point um, because especially I, I think they they used to refer to it. I don't know if they still do, but like this sandwich generation mm -hmm. of students who are taking care of um, their kids, but also um, their parents in right. some cases or other ways. Mm -hmm. That's that's a lot of stress on somebody who's trying to navigate school. Yes, yeah, it's a, it's a big responsibility, and we see students who come to through through my office with all sorts of um, caregiving responsibilities, be it um, their own, you know, biological children, stepchildren, uh, younger siblings that they may now have custody of, um, or again, you know, family members, um, ailing family members, family members who need you know more care. Um, it it really runs the spectrum of 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 who our students are caring for. College is hard. <laughs> period. I mean, we can just, yeah. I, I can just sum it up that way. College yep. is hard, right? Yeah. Um, and I can only imagine there are some unique challenges that um, parent students also experience that maybe others might not. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So I alluded to that a little bit, you know, in my example of, you know, how I got into this work, but it's, it's the most common the most common terminology that we use is called time poverty. Um, and this is the concept that parenting, that students who are parents have less hours in the day to dedicate to their studies. Uh, they have less hours in the day to ded dedicate to everything um, because they are spending a majority of their time um, on what we either consider basic care tasks for themselves or others, um, taking care of their children, managing a household potentially, um, working. Some of our students also work on top of going to school. Um, and so at the end of the day, they have very little free time. They have very little time to focus um, actually studying, working on projects, um, having group um, partnerships, um, depending on, you know, their situation for, for, you know, care at home. You know, they could have a babysitter or a family member or pay for childcare outside the home. Um, to help them out. So that may alleviate some of the stress. But for students who are working full time or have daytime classes, you know, they still have a child at home or children at home to care for at night. Um, and so, you know, the a lot of the times that we traditionally see students studying um, is reserved for dinner prep, grocery shopping, cleaning up, laundry, um, getting kids prepped for school for the next day, making lunches, right? Things that some of our, you know, our, our regular student population don't have to think about. So um, they just lack the, the sheer number of hours hours available to them to dedicate to to studies um, to studying um, and the other thing we see is um, obviously the expense right our, our parenting students are spending a lot more money out of pocket um, on their children you know directly and then also indirectly the hours lost for work or the hours lost for um, you know studying or having to withdraw from a class because they don't have um, they don't have appropriate care for their child that quarter and um, so we see a lot of loss of time and a lot of loss of income 
income um, as they dedicate those resources and time to their children. And that kind of paints a drab, drab picture of being a parent. To, but, you know, it's the reality is that it, it is an additional it is an additional you know, burden for our students in terms of time and, and money. You know, here in the counseling center, I'm thinking about this also, you know, we're using the word stress a lot, mm -hmm, but it can, mm -hmm. that can, that can turn into a lot of other feelings mm -hmm. also. And, you know, as a counselor, you know, one of the things I, I like to think of it as is, um, it's almost like self-care shame a little bit, <laughs> Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's this, I think I, when I was a student, um, we called it mommy or daddy guilt, <laughs> mm -hmm. but, but it's, it's, it's really, you know, we, that's the national natural instinct, right? Somebody comes in, they're stressed out and you ask, how are you taking care of yourself? You ask that to a parent, a parenting student, and they kind of look at you and roll your eye, mm -hmm. roll their eyes yeah. and are like, what do you mean? What time? And which I yeah. think speaks exactly to what you're talking about. What kind of supports can we as a community put around these students to help them succeed? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, you know, from a from a from a faculty perspective, right, it's it's flexibility in timing for assignments, it's potentially some extra time for completing a project, it's aligning students maybe with other parenting students who, you know, will have that um, that kind of empathy. It's understanding that group work may be harder for um, parenting students because finding a time that's appropriate for everyone while managing a schedule, you know, with children or, or a child and especially young children who have, you know, very little sleep, um, <laughs> sleep uh, scheduling, right? Um, the exhaustion is, is real. So, um, you know, faculty just being supportive, um, you know, faculty having a stance or having uh, information in their syllabus, we're working on a, a draft statement for faculty around, you know, do you allow children in your classroom? What does that look like? If there's an emergency with childcare, can your kid come to class? Um, or are you expected to miss the class? Are you going to be leaning? if a student needs to make something up because their child's sick, you know, being really transparent about what your expectations are for students um, and what accommodations you're willing to give off the bat because students are parents um, or, you know, having those conversations one-on-one. For, for staff members, I think it's just recognizing that, you know, <laughs> the students are going to be tired and, um, you know, they may not be capable of meeting you in person. They may need meetings that are after hours. They may need meetings before school opens. They may need a quick 10 minute, you know, meeting on their their lunch break in their, you know, closet at work, right? Like there's, there's a lot of um, wonderful things that the pandemic has opened up. And one of those things is Zoom communication, right? We don't, we no longer have to force students to be on campus to meet with us. Um, and I think for parents, that's actually a huge time saver. You don't have to drive to campus. You don't have to find childcare or bring your kids with you. You can be focused, you know, in a Zoom meeting or a phone call, you know, even um, and get, get your work done. So I think staff meeting students where they are just being really flexible with the time they meet, the method that they that they meet students, you know, how they communicate um, with them. Those would be some of the places that I would start. And, um, you know, administration, I think, you know, the, the higher ups is recognizing that, you know, we do have a pretty large percentage of our students who are parents. And um, I think it's something the statistics say something like 
60% of the students that we have who are parents are also historically under underserved populations or minoritized popu populations. So we need to be thinking about the fact that serving and creating solutions for parenting students actually has a broader impact on, you know, the intersectional ID identities that we that we bring to, you know, to our to our school. So it's not just helping their parent identity, it may also be helping another identity that they hold. I can imagine if somebody is listening to this who is a student as well as a parent right now, uh, you're probably speaking straight to their heart. And I'm <laughs> I guessing, <hope> so. <laughs> I, yeah. And, and I'm guessing that probably at some point or another, they've gone through a moment where they like, they've wondered, is this worth it? Mm -hmm. Is this going to be worth it for me to do this? Mm -hmm. What would you say to those parents? Yeah. And when you mean it, I'm assuming you mean school, is school worth it? Yeah. yeah school, yeah. The, this whole process, this extra yeah. stress, the, yeah. uh, the lack of time. Yeah. I mean, I think as a parent, right? Uh, at some point you, you come to the realization that you don't have a choice and you have to, whatever it is that you decide, whether it's school, not school, work, not work, you know, what uh, art, you know, uh, music, whatever, whatever hobby, you know, whatever, whatever um, trajectory your life is taking you, right? At some point you recognize that you, you don't have a lot of choice because you have the responsibility to care for another human being, possibly more than one human being, right? So I would say, I mean, I would say, yes, I think school is 100% worth it. I think that um, being very confident about which direction you're going with school is important. I always encourage all of my students, regardless of their parent status to as much as they can have a reason for coming back to school or a reason for going to school, not just because, oh, it's what I should be doing, right? Making sure that you have that you have a, a path and, and a reason or that you're dedicated to figuring that out, you know, while you're here. So I would say it is very difficult to be a parent and go to school at the same time. There's even more sleeplessness on top of what you may already be experiencing. There's a lot of flexibility. There's a lot of wiggle room. Um, there's a lot of figuring things out as you go. Um, and there's also a lot of um, grace and compassion with yourself to recognize that it's not going to be perfect. I think that especially if your general um, attitude towards school is that you want to do really well, that may not always be possible when you have children. You may have to just do your best and focus on the learning aspect, what you can pull from your studies or what, you know, what it gets you to as an end result, you know, right? If it, if this degree gets you to a job or to a specific skill, right? That is, that is equally as important, you know, or if not more important than the grades itself. So having a lot of grace that it may not look exactly like you imagined it going to school when you have children, but I definitely 100% think it's still worth it. Since this is a, a relatively new initiative to uh, UW Bothell, if somebody's hearing this and they want to get plugged into the system, they want to learn more, what, what's mm -hmm. the best course of action for them? Yeah, so there's several ways. So um, uh, you can, if you're looking for more of the community aspect in terms of connecting with other parents, um, we have our parent student union, which is run by members of our community who are also parenting students. Um, you can get connected with them on Instagram or, um, and then if students want to connect with me, they can schedule an appointment directly with me through Navigate. Um, if they're plugged into Navigate, they can um, select, I believe it's called child care. Child care resources is the care unit, or they can pick my or select my name, Christina Hughes, and schedule an appointment with me. They can email me at UW parenting students at uw.edu. 
uh, UW parenting students at uw.edu. Um, and we can set up a phone call, Zoom call, appointment, um, whatever in-person appointment, whatever works best for them to discuss resources that we have available on campus, funding, um, you know, uh, academic peer support, uh, faculty um, support if they need help navigating a specific situation in their course. Um, anything, anything that they can need, they can connect with me directly. Um, and then that community aspect, um, again, is our is our parent student union group. Such important work reaching out to this group of students. Thank you so much for taking yeah, time to talk. Tell course. me about it. Of course. Thank you for having me. UW Bothell is a special place for a lot of reasons, but one of the things that really makes it unique is just how many first-generation college students have decided to earn their degrees here. Joining us now is Terry Hill, the Director of Orientation and Transition Programs here at UW Bothell. You know, starting college can be intimidating, but when you're the very first, it can really feel like a lot. Yeah, I think that, you know, so to start off, like, I was a first-gen college student myself, uh, and so I kind of I can really relate to that experience of like, you know, coming in, not having anybody to go to and talk to about what to expect. Um, you know, college was a not even talked about when I, you know, was in, in high school by my parents. They didn't know if they'd have the resources or, you know, didn't know what the even the pathway would be to get into college. Um, and so that was something that I just knew that I couldn't have those conversations very easily with them because they didn't know how to support me through that. Um, and so I think, you know, I found people who, you know, other peers who had started the college process, they invited me to come in and, uh, you know, take some classes at a community college. And that was kind of my gateway in. Um, and what I learned from that is that, you know, it's, you know, really one, as I taught myself, like trying to observe a lot to see what am I seeing with my peers and how are they able to, to manage this and what kind of like questions are they asking and what are the services and things that they're doing that are to be expected that I didn't know. I was trying to be like a spy like in <laughs> many ways. Like I was, yeah. I was, I didn't want to like out myself as being a first gen student. Uh, and that's what we call like that imposter syndrome. Like yeah. you don't want to feel like, like if they find me out that you know, I'm not college material or that my family didn't do college, they might say, you know, you're not welcome here anymore. <laughs> and, and, you know, which is not true in, right. at all, but you you have that in your mind of like, I gotta, I gotta do this. I gotta make sure that nobody finds me out. Um, and so that overconfidence really is part of resiliency. Like in some ways it really helps you. Um, but it also can prevent you from asking the questions and asking for help when you need it. Um, and but it also shows that you're trying to push through, which yeah. um, and so um, so you have to kind of find, I, you know, we help students identify like, you know, that that fear that you have that you're going to out yourself. That's normal. And a lot of times what the other thing that happens is some of those things, even if you're not first gen, students struggle with like things that are happening in college and don't know that that's normal. Right. And so with our first gen students, um, it becomes even amplified because they're already trying in their mind to find out all of the reasons why maybe they aren't cut out for this. Right. 
Um, and so the first thing I'll think is like, well, nobody, like nobody else in my family went to college or whatever it might be. It gives, it becomes one of those things that is kind of in the back of your mind all the time. And that can really prevent, um, you from taking advantage of those services and resources when, when they could really help you out. Um, and so finding the roadmap, it's, you know, I don't have the solution except for like making sure that to know that you are, you're not alone. Every student is feeling this way, whether you're a first gen student or not. So don't buy into like, well, everybody else seems to have their act right, together and everybody right. else seems to know what's going on. Cause that's probably what they're all thinking in the back of their head is like, what the heck's going on? Um, the other thing that's really amazing about you to Bothell is so such a large percentage of our students are first generation students. So, so you're definitely not alone in that fact, you know, in that. Um, so I, I hope that students find comfort in that mm -hmm. and that they can, that that allows them the freedom to ask the questions and ask for help and not feel like they like, you know, that it's going to be a vulnerability that shows their weakness and why they shouldn't be here. Um, yeah. I am so glad you brought up imposter syndrome um, because, you know, I, I, I'm a first generation college student also. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you one of the, I still struggle with that. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, like, Oh, I work in higher ed. They're going to find out I don't belong here. Yeah. Right. Too. Yeah. It happens all the time. Um, one of the best pieces of advice I was given, um, when I was an undergrad student, and this is the whole reason I went on to get a graduate degree is I had somebody tell me, stop apologizing for taking up space. Yep. You, you belong here. Mm -hmm. And earlier in this year, when I talked to, um, uh, Chancellor Esterberg, she said the same thing. She said, I want students to know that I don't care where they come from. They belong here. Yeah. And that's such a powerful message to challenge that imposter syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we admitted you for a reason. Like you, at that point, you, you, you should have no question. The university does not just admit anybody. We've right. admitted you. You are, if you are admitted, we have now a responsibility to help you succeed and you have the capabilities. We believe in you that you're going to be able to be successful here. Now, it, is it going to be hard? Sure, it's going to be hard. And, and when it gets hard, that doesn't mean that you're not cut out for this. Like, and I think so many students might jump to that next thing. But, you, you know, that the part of our job here at a university is to help transform you and make you a different person than when you arrived. And that's hopefully what you're paying for and why you want to be here. Right. Um, and that's going to be painful at times. And that shouldn't, we shouldn't always jump to like, well, that means I don't belong here if this is a struggle. Um, and that can be very easy to do. Like it's just instinctual of like, well, this is hard. Maybe I'm not cut out for this. Right. Um, and we, yeah. And I totally, I'm, I really appreciate the chancellor. She's been um, very supportive in the first gen work that we're doing here on this campus. And that message is, is really important that every student we've admitted here belongs here and yeah. they can be successful. Will it be hard? Yes, but we're here to help support you through that. You know, I also think that so often, um, at least for me, and maybe this is true for you, but first-gen students often are very aware of their growing edges they have, right? These mm -hmm. are the things I need to work on to be a better student and stuff like that. And I think sometimes they neglect to recognize the strengths that they're bringing in, mm -hmm. right? Um, the ones of the things that I think about is resilience. Mm -hmm. Right. First gen students have had to overcome a lot yep. and they've done it. Right. Yep. Um, 
let's talk a little bit about those strengths that you see in first-gen students. When mm -hmm. you see a first-gen student and you're meeting them and you're seeing them enter this world, what kind of strengths are you helping them to grow? Yeah, I think it's the, you know, it's kind of what I said a little earlier about how, you know, there is something to be said for that um, and wanting to be confident and, and, and making sure that people don't see the, um, that you're, you're being challenged in any ways. Um, and I think that the, that the part of that confidence is really important, like, because we want you to be confident when you're here. Um, but we have to figure out how to make sure that that's not something that's going to prevent you from yeah. taking and getting help when things are struggle. Um, and so for me, it's like making sure that students understand that that confidence is great. And you, does, you, you should be confident in yourself. You have what it takes to be here. Um, and also make sure that you don't let that stop you from asking for help when you need it. Um, so how do you make sure that they um, don't lose that confidence when we start to, to do the transitional programming? That we're not here trying to say that you're going to struggle and that you... Like that is um, because you're a first gen student. Right. Um, we don't want you to ever feel like, because what we're saying is all students are gonna struggle, not just you because of the identities you hold. Um, and so making sure that they still don't fall into that trap um, and that they're confident in their ability to get through this, that um, resiliency of being able to like, struggle and still come out in the end and feel that you've accomplished something right. um and not you know it's like working out like you know we you know when you work out it's painful yeah. and and especially you haven't worked out in a while like it can be really painful and and the same thing can be said for when using our brains and like thinking about different you know math courses or whatever you might be in it's gonna be hard at times and you're gonna feel like it's really stretching you. Um, but also remembering that you've gotten so far already. Yeah. And try to remember all of the things, the resources and people and things that you did that got you through those, those struggles already. And make sure you don't forget that. And make sure that you use those too. And then use the new tools. Mm. Um, and figure out where those tools are and how they've changed. So sometimes, you know, the support network that you had before, maybe it was a high school counselor, um, which is very different from counseling that we have on our campus, um, but uh, it might more relate to what a academic advisor is. Um, and so that can be, you know, just coming from a high school. Sometimes students don't know what the difference is. Like we get students at our welcome desk all the time that say, I want to come, I want to talk to a counselor. And then we have to actually ask, what does that mean? Um, because we can't assume that they just know because sometimes they're coming from that high school perspective. Um, and, but the important thing is going back to the first gen students is that they, they might've known who those resources were that supported them in the past. And many times those resources might exist here in different ways and maybe called different things. And so how do we help them translate that language um, and make sure that they still don't forget how to utilize that support network 
um, when they get here. I love love that because one of the things higher ed loves is acronyms. Mm -hmm. We love to shorthand things. And I, I really enjoy it when students call us on that and say, what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> right. I love that. So uh, even as an employee, I've, I've been here for less than a year. I'm still learning acronyms. Oh yeah. And acronyms. Yeah. They're changed by institution. Like so. Right. And yeah. so I think that that's one of the things that I, I really want to offer to first gen students who are listening to this is if you don't know what an acronym stands for, ask. Yeah. Somebody yeah. doesn't know. Right. <laughs> it's, you're not the only one who doesn't know that. Yeah. 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 It would be, yeah, that's something that we've thought about. Like, it'd be nice to have like some kind of acronym dictionary on our, that's what we <laughs> our <need>. website. <laughs> that's what we need, like an urban dictionary yeah. for that. Yeah. Yeah. Our department actually within orientation and transition programs, we have an internal document that we've created for um, on a SharePoint uh, um, account. And we actually have a page of like what it's the unique language that we use at UW Buffalo. So that that's like great. our new staff coming in. Like they can, when they hear an acronym, they can go and just look at that SharePoint to see what, <laughs> what the heck that is that we're talking about. But we need something like that for students. We do. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. Speaking of resources for students. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we talk a lot about the different resources that are available for all students, right? I mean, we yeah. have the counseling center, we've got VPA, we've got disability research, we've got all these different places. When it comes to the needs of first gen students, um, I know one of the things that we have already talked about is peer support is so important. Mm -hmm. What other supports do you see on this campus that um, first gen students who might also have other intersecting identities too, right? Mm -hmm. Could access that they might not know about. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's a such a variety of different resources and it depends on where you're at also in your college um, experience. So like, you know, my department orientation transition programs, you know, we're here to support, students in primarily their first year, whether you're a transfer student or a first year student. Um, And there's a variety of programs, whether it's the peer coaching program. So all of our first year students will have a peer coach assigned to them. That is a person who you can go to, talk to, ask your questions. They are going to meet with you or offer to meet with you on a monthly basis to find out what your goals are, find out what you're struggling with, and help you find resources and services that will kind of help you reach those goals that you have for yourself. Um, and they're just a person that you, if you have a question, like what those acronyms are, you can you send a text message to your coach and say, hey, what is this? Yeah. And they w- would be somebody who'd be able to answer that in your in, um, in your first year here. Um, you know, I think other resources, you know, the Diversity Center offers a variety of resources there. Um, and they are a place, um, you know, like you pointed out, like there's a lot of intersecting identities with first gen students. Uh, many of our students of color are also first gen students. And so that is a place um, that provides lots of support for students and um, thinking and how to find community um, and people who might be able to relate more to your, you know, very individualized transition to college um, based on some of the identities you hold. Um, and with that, we also have within OTP, we also have our new student, which OTPs, the orientation transition programs. Um, we also have new student networks and we actually have a first generation, um, new student network, um, that's for uh, students in their first year. Uh, that 
program basically is we have a listserv that all the students who've opted in when they were um, coming through orientation, they opt into the program. And we can, if anybody didn't opt in, they can always come and talk to us and we can get you into that um, group. Um, but they will run a variety of sessions throughout the year. They also send out a monthly newsletter that has information for that specifically targeted towards first generation college students. Um, and that is to make sure that students have, you know, when we build orientation programming, sometimes, you know, we are building for all students and we, you know, because there's so many first generation students, most of our programming is going to be accessible to all students. However, we also know that students that hold um, unique identities sometimes might feel like, well, they're not talking about all of the specific things that I need yeah. to know um, because it maybe just feels like it only applies to me. Um, and so we have the new student network set up so that you have a place to go to get the specific resources that you need that's customized to your identities you hold, as well as just finding a community of people who might be able to relate to you in, a, in some ways more than the general student population um, and a place to find community and connections. Um, and so those are some of the resources that we have um, currently. And, you know, again, I think academic advising is another really important piece. Um, your advisors are here to support you, and um, and when you have questions, especially with the academic like rigor and like figuring out like you know your pathway through college, the advisors are here to help you navigate that. Um, and so, if you have questions, you know, go and talk to your advisor. Um, you can also even go to the welcome desk at UW One. Like we have a you yeah. know the a welcome desk that's actually staffed by orientation leaders that we're worked over the summer. So they are very knowledgeable about just the institution as a whole. Many of them are first gen students. So no question is too small or big. Um, you can come and talk to them and they will point you in the right direction with no like judgment at all, because yeah. we've all been there. You know, I, I you mentioned earlier that we have a, a very large first generation uh, student population here on campus. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if there's ever been any kind of numbers run on this, but anecdotally, I've met a lot of faculty and staff who are also first gen who work here. Yep. Yeah. And so I don't know what the percentages are, but don't assume that your professor or the person that you're talking to, that they haven't gone through the same experience. I mean, just yeah. in this room, we're both first gen students, yep. right? So yeah. they, if you have a first gen question, come talk to one of us. We would love to talk right. about that. Yeah. And I'm guessing there are probably a lot of people who work here that are in that same area. It's very true. Like it's it's kind of amazing. So one of the things that Uta Boffel recently undertook is that we are now um, going to be um, considered a first gen forward institution. And what that means is that we're, we have been identified by a national organization that we're a first generation college student serving institution. Um, meaning we have prioritized the support of that population and are like doing what we can to make sure that, um, that students are successful and that we're actually looking at the data to see how we're actually moving the bar to make sure that first generation students are actually persisting um, higher and higher every year. Um, and so that is um, something we just started up this year and being recognized. And we actually pulled together a group of staff and faculty. And I believe you were there, Randy. Yeah. I guess so. Um, but we had a large group of staff and faculty there. Um, 
and many of them, and we and we had a, we actually put out a form ahead of time to get um, staff and faculty to express interest if they wanted to attend this, and a lot of people signed up but said they couldn't come, and almost I would say ninety percent of the people who filled out that form that were either there or wanted to be there and couldn't said I'm first gen, wow. and so they. Um, this is, and because of that, we're all very passionate about like helping this population and being like making sure that students feel like they're 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 supported. Um, and staff and faculty have expressed like you know I've got a lot going on right now with teaching or whatever might might be with my job, but this is a priority of mine. So like anywhere you all need help with this first gen stuff, I'm there. Like let us know. I'm happy to jump in. Uh, and support because I want to be there for the students and they, I want them to be able to come and ask people questions and and feel like they're not being judged by anybody. And so, um, so yeah, that's one of the great things about Bothell. And I don't, I think that's relatively unique about our campus. Like I, um, you know, I've worked at other college campuses and I didn't experience this percentage of staff and faculty that are first gen. And I, th I believe that it also has to do with the type of campus we have. I think mm -hmm. that it attracts staff and faculty who want to help um, serve our communities um, that are often underrepresented in higher education. Um, and that just is the kind of people we attract here, both yeah. students and the staff and faculty, which makes us an amazing place to be. So, Thank you so much for talking to me. Yes, great. Thank you. to both of our guests, Terry and Christina. Look for ways to get in touch with both of them in the description of this week's episode. You know, I started this episode by sharing a little bit of my story. I'd love to hear some of yours, too. You can email me at uwbcc at uw.edu. Also, I'd love to hear from you with any thoughts, suggestions, or comments you might have for the show. Thank you for listening. My name is Randy Scott. And this is The Crow's Nest. We'll see you next week. You got this. The Crow's Nest podcast represents the opinions of the host and the guests on the show. The content and views do not necessarily represent the views of the University of Washington. The content on this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute advice or services. Because every person is unique, make sure you consult with a professional about your specific questions and individual health care needs. If you need immediate mental health support, call 988. Visit 988lifeline.org or access care anytime using the My SSP app.